Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. This is an RNZ podcast. Hello, I'm Simon Morris. A while ago, I remarked, without judgment, that the movie star business seems to have dried up a bit recently. It's been a while since we've seen much of people like Leo DiCaprio, Scarlett Johansson, Jennifer Lawrence, even Ryan Reynolds and Benedict Cumberbatch. In cinemas this week, only Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, and the old firm of George Clooney and Julia Roberts continue to wave the flag for old-fashioned movie stardom. But perhaps we should define our terms a bit. I played a butler. I had one line! I forgot it. Don't worry. This is going to be easy. For you, maybe. Not for me. I'm not an actor. I'm a movie star! By a movie star, I don't mean a brilliant actor or even someone of mind-boggling beauty. I simply mean someone with that old X factor. People who, by simply being there, attract attention to their movies. Now, what is the one thing, if you put it in a movie, it'll be successful? Tits. No, better than that. A star. Ed, you must have me confused with David Selznick. I don't make major motion pictures. I make crap. Yes, but if you take that crap and put a star in it, then you've got something. Lately, the studios have had to go further afield to find someone with that sort of allure. And right now, all eyes seem to be on pop singer Harry Styles. He's got everything. Good looks, comparative youth, great hair, and a laudable reticence about his private life. Tom Barry. You read it. Tom Barry. Are we spitting us in the streets? They're not locked up waiting for the invasion. But ever since his debut in Christopher Nolan's Dunkirk in 2017, people have wondered whether he can act. Since when has that been a requirement of a movie star? Other singers who reinvented themselves for the silver screen include Mark Wahlberg, Will Smith, Jennifer Lopez and Judy Garland. And I'm not going to leave here ever, ever again, because I love you all. Oh, Annie M, there's no place like hope. Cary Grant and Burt Lancaster were acrobats. Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sean Connery were bodybuilders. The Rock was, and is essentially, a wrestler. Emily Blunt was a ballet dancer. Catherine Zeta-Jones was a chorus girl. Channing Tatum was a stripper. But they all retrained, took a few acting classes, and re-emerged, carefully directed, as movie stars. Would that it was so simple. Would that it was so simple. Trippingly. Would that it were so simple, trippingly? No, don't say trippingly. Say the line trippingly. Would that it were... Would that it were so simple? If one thing has come out of the new era where a big-name star is no longer necessary to open a movie, it's the rise in status of the actual actor. Saoirse Ronan, Timothy Chalamet, Christian Bale, Viola Davis and Jessica Chastain are undoubtedly movie stars, but like De Niro and Day-Lewis, Marilyn Maggie before them, they're actors first. 
Do you guys know that if you crank out any toxic piece of crap, people will line up and pay to see it. But long after you're gone, I'm going to be on that stage, earning my living, bearing my soul, wrestling with complex human emotions. Right, that's what we do. Oh, so that, is that what tonight was about, you wrestling with complex emotions? This week we'll assess Harry Styles' latest and biggest film role to date in My Policeman, as well as the harrowing remake of the classic All Quiet on the Western Front. But first, a little film from Harry Styles' old sparring partner in the recent Don't Worry, Darling, Florence Pugh, great as always in The Wonder. The Wonder is a new film by Chilean director Sebastián Lelio, who seems to specialise in strong, courageous women in films like Gloria and A Fantastic Woman. Well, this one is a story we're told in a sort of Brechtian fourth-wall-toppling opening about our need for stories. It's not your job to question us. You are here only to watch Nurse Elizabeth Wright, played by Florence Pugh, has recently returned from the Crimean War and has taken a new job. She journeys from England to a small village in Ireland where she's brought before the local bigwigs. Leading the panel are a Catholic priest, Karen Hines, and a slightly less Catholic doctor, Toby Jones. The watch is to last two weeks. We are proposing eight-hour shifts. There is to be no conferring between the two of you. The job requires round-the-clock observation of what may or may not be a miracle, a wonder. Her name is Anna O'Donnell, and she seems to be either a religious or a scientific phenomenon. On the 14th day, you will each present your separate testimony. May I ask, gentlemen, no one has told me what precisely is wrong with the girl. Anna O'Donnell doesn't eat. Elizabeth is bewildered that 12-year-old Anna, a simple girl living out on the moors with her parents and one maidservant, is being groomed for sainthood. Already, many of the faithful are flocking to meet her. What the village and the church need is positive proof, which is why they brought in an outsider to vet Anna, as well as a local nun. How long exactly has it been since the last time the girl ate? Four months. That's impossible. Thumbs up and eyes wide open. On the one hand, it's a well-paid two weeks at a time she really needs the money. But on the other, Elizabeth starts to be concerned that the child is in danger, even if the child herself can't seem to see it. Anna assures Elizabeth that she has no need for earthly food. She has spiritual manner from heaven. Are you nervous at all? Why should I be nervous? Do you know the dangers of a prolonged fast, Anna? I don't eat sweets. I live a manner. From heaven. And how does that feel? Full. It's one thing to judge simple country folk for believing the unbelievable. The Catholic establishment also has a vested interest in a local celebrity and the income she could bring in. But out in the world, the unbelievable is happening all the time. Science is making all sorts of giant steps in the 19th century. Could Anna be part of that? 
What right does a stranger have to come between a child and his people? I'm here to find out the truth. Is it a miracle? Is it a hoax? It all depends on who's telling the story. Meanwhile, Elizabeth has her own story. She keeps mementos of her damaged past right next to that staple of all gritty Victorian stories, the bottle of laudanum. Another person with a vested interest in the story of The Wonder is a local boy who made good, or at least made it out. Will Burns, now a journalist in London, but he's back in his hometown to cover something that, true or nonsense, is undoubtedly a story. Anna is in danger. She's an actress. She's chosen. Are you feeling well in yourself, Anna? Very well, Father. Thank you. Will is played by another well-established young actor, Tom Burke, and it's the actors, particularly Florence Pugh, who have the job of keeping us first wondering and then engaged. The gimmicky beginning of The Wonder feels a bit unnecessary. I think most of us can understand the dangerous appeal of stories without having someone putting cinematic quotation marks around it. I am begging you, you must stop the watch. It was a terrible mistake to bring a nurse here, an English nurse. Will you help me? But Florence, as always, is wonderful and reminds us why not particularly special stories can be elevated by the presence of someone out of the ordinary. A wonder, they used to say in the 19th century, though these days we prefer a star. You don't understand us. Excuse me. Anyone can be chosen. When I googled the novel by Eric Maria Remarque, All Quiet on the Western Front, I was surprised to learn that it was Germany's most successful literary work, a pacifist polemic that came out just a few years before Hitler banned pacifism. It was also the subject of one of the great Hollywood movies of 1930. Watching clips of the first film is a revelation. Just two years after the introduction of sound, the battle scenes in particular are brilliant and terrifying. Interestingly, it's never been filmed in Germany until now. In fact, even this one, produced by Spanish-German movie star Daniel Brühl, was going to be another English-language movie until it was handed to German director Edward Berger by Netflix. The film opens with a quote from the author. This is not a confession, it's not an accusation. Least of all, is it an adventure? So don't say you weren't warned. The opening scene is set on the Western Front itself, the lines of trenches between Germany and France that remain bogged down in roughly the same place for four years. Come on. 
We meet a young, decent German soldier called Heinrich as he goes over the top to attack the enemy lines and is killed almost instantly. But Heinrich's uniform goes on. It's packed up, cleaned, repaired and repurposed as the uniform of our actual hero, Paul Balmer. He couldn't wait to turn 18, so he and his friends lied about their age and signed up. Mister. Paul Balmer. They march and sing and finally arrive at the front to have their big adventure, like half the world in 1917. And the adventure collapses almost immediately as the bombs start falling, the guns fire and the food runs out in the rat-infested trenches. Because this has always been our picture of the First World War, the biggest, most futile war in history, it takes a little time to get into the mindset of people who never imagined it could be like this. Not just Paul and his friends, but also the original readers of All Quiet on the Western Front. And a hundred years later, ignorance about World War I is quite prevalent again, judging by online comments about this movie. Still, even people who pride themselves on a better grasp of history are likely to be surprised more than once. Ich werde nicht kapitulieren. Meine Mutter wollte nicht, dass ich in Krieg ziehe. Ich wollte ihnen zeigen, dass ich das kann. Ach, in the book, Paul occasionally goes home to be appalled at his family's ignorance of what was really going on. But most of the film, All Quiet on the Western Front, takes place there. Paul and his friends' main concerns shift from heroics to obeying orders to simple survival. And we're reminded of a hundred years of post-Gallipoli misinformation, or at least partial information. Tactics we were told were solely developed by the Germans turn out not to be the case. German soldiers were just as likely to be victims of gas, tanks, a British-French invention, incidentally, and horrifyingly, flamethrowers. Most horrifying, in a way, is what happened in the last few weeks of the war, the period mostly covered by All Quiet on the Western Front. The French and the German negotiators agree on a ceasefire, but quibble over the details. So the standoff goes on for days while the slaughter continues. Im Namen der Menschlichkeit, ich bitte Sie um den Waffenstillstand. Vous avez 72 heures pour accepter nos conditions. 
When a mad German general decides on one last suicidal attack in the last minutes of the war, the message seems to be the futility of all wars. All Quiet on the Western Front is currently available on Netflix. And while everyone in a uniform should be forced to watch it, at gunpoint if necessary, the real message of this film is that it's unlikely it would do any good. Harry Styles, formerly the one member of One Direction that anyone can remember, has now developed a movie sideline. His track record may be small once you take out all the rock videos, but he was perfectly fine in a small role in Dunkirk and also in a bigger role in the recent Don't Worry Darling. So how is he as nearly the lead in My Policeman? I want you to be my wife. My Policeman has a pretty impressive cast for a comparatively low-budget film set in two time periods on the English southeast coast. Emma Corrin made her name playing Princess Diana in The Crown, while third point of the triangle, Patrick, is played by David Dawson, Alfred the Great in another TV series, The Last Kingdom. To all of us. To all of us. All cheers. Of us. Cheers. <laughs> My Policeman opens in the late 1990s, where married couple Marion and Tom have settled in unexciting retirement. Their routine is broken when Marion brings the invalid Patrick to stay with them. Patrick's had a stroke and needs constant care, except Tom refuses to have anything to do with him. Time for a flashback. He was always in your life, in our lives. A flashback 40 years, in fact, to 1957, when the three first meet. Marion is a teacher and Tom is a policeman. But they meet off-duty when Tom teaches Marion to swim and Marion gives Tom some tips on good books. And then Tom introduces Marion to Patrick. Patrick works at the local art gallery. So how does it make you feel? You can sense the waves. You know how strong they are. Like swimming in rough surf. He met Tom when he called the police after an accident. The three hit it off, and most people assume that the dashing, educated Patrick is more suitable for Marion than the handsome but plodding Tom. Now here is to Tom and Marion. The perfect civilised couple. Where could this be going, we don't wonder. It may come as a surprise to conservative Marion that Patrick is gay, but hardly to us. It's clear that there's more to the relationship of Patrick and Tom than Tom in particular wants anyone to know. How do you do it? Do what? Live this life. One learns to live as one can. 
point being, as modern-day LGBTQ-friendly audiences may need reminding, that that relationship was not only frowned on in the late 50s, but was illegal and jailable. However, for toffs like Patrick, there were always ways around it, unlike for members of the police force. Come with me. Just you and I. He's trying to destroy our marriage. The hiding, the lies. You know nothing about being married to... Stop! Telling me what I'm supposed to think about it. The 1957 story, which is Most of My Policemen, sees Emma Corrin, David Dawson and Harry Styles play out the rather common 50s story of someone in denial, passing, as they used to say. Tom and Marion get married, but Patrick is always there and passion is something that won't be denied. This love is all-consuming. I pity people who don't know what it feels like to be this in love. Flash forward 40 years and Tom, Marion and Patrick are now in the safe hands of Linus Roach, Gina McKee and Rupert Everett. Everett, in particular as Patrick, offers an object lesson in what a good actor can do with virtually no lines, just an expressive face. The actors, once again, are the best things about My Policeman, currently available on Prime Video, the old Amazon Prime. It's essentially a familiar story with rather a big hole in the middle. What happens in the 40 years between events is barely touched on. I shouldn't have done that. It's wrong. Well, as for the big question, can Harry Styles act? Yes, he can, if by act you mean stand here and say these lines. The role of Tom in many ways is tailor-made for him, someone ordinary who's still so attractive he manages to bowl over two people at once. You feel they could crush you or take you under. You just have to let it take hold of you. Not the same as the performances of everyone else in the film, but they're merely actors. Harry Styles is, or could be, a movie star. And on that reminder that for certain privileged people, the less you do, the more effective you are, it's time to stop. I'm Simon Morris, and I hope you'll join me at the movies same time next week. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.